Welcome, everyone, to tonight's MAR Colloquium. The topic is managing risks in web-based records, and this is only becoming more complicated because of the a variety of tools that are now being incorporated into uh, uh, web-based records management issues. So uh, I am looking very much forward to listening to our presenter tonight, David Best, who is a certified records manager. He's a records management consultant uh, who had served in positions at Harvard University and Massachusetts State Archives. Uh, David also has worked on several ARMA international publications. I know you're familiar with those. And uh, one of them is the guideline that just came out in the fall of 2009 website records management. So David is the perfect person to uh, give us some insight into the challenges of managing website records. And right now I'm going to turn the presentation over to our speaker, David Best. Thanks, Pat. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to make this presentation. And good evening, everybody. Uh, as a records manager, I've always been um, involved in the area of records-related risk, and it's been sort of a pet interest for me because it's kind of a fun area of records management to be involved in. Uh, but when I joined the team writing the YAMA guideline on managing web records, and I spent some time working on the risk management section, I realized how really fraught this whole area of risk in web records really, really is. Uh, so what I want to talk about tonight is risk, uh, specifically risk related to records on the web, and unfortunately mostly records related to uh, on web 1.0, not web 2.0. And give a, <coughs> give a very high level overview of the types of risk the web presents to organizations, how to assess those risks, and how in a properly functioning world uh, those risks should be addressed. It's a very complex topic, and we can only get a very brief glimpse of it today. The web has really matured over the last couple of decades, and it's become embedded in the daily operations of organizations and businesses to the point where many enterprises cannot do without it. Uh, it's a major engine for conducting business transactions. It's almost universally accessible and amazingly easy to use as a business tool, and that's a downside for it, too that is so accessible and easy to use, we lose sight of the fact that a lot of the information on the web constitutes the business records of the organizations who are on the websites. And these web-based records are going to be subject to the same legal and fiscal requirements and the same societal expectations as non-web records. Uh, in fact, the web itself is changing the landscape and spawning a whole new body of law and set of public expectations. Uh, we've been very cavalier about the content of web pages and how we push information out to the public and what we do with that information. And in fact, the web poses a host of dangers and pitfalls for organizations doing business there. The web's a great place to do business for organizations which are enthusiastically <coughs> adopting it, for pushing out information to the public, for using it for advertising, creating a channel of communication to get in information input and information from their customers and the public, and for conducting business transactions. The ability to do all these things and the eagerness which so many organizations have embraced the web has placed almost irresistible pressure on others to follow suit. 
And it's gone to the point where if I want to schedule an oil change or find out if a particular book is on the shelves of the library or check my bank balance or trade any stocks, I'm going to do it online. I'm not going to waste my time on hold or in line or having to go to a bricks and water facility. Offering these conveniences gives business a tremendous competitive advantage, but it also can, creates risk. Something can go wrong. So what is risk? Nice lawyerly definition here. Uh, it's probability or threat of damage, injury, liability, loss, or other negative consequence caused by external or internal vulnerabilities in which may be neutralized through pre-mediated action. In other words, it's likelihood that something bad is going to happen if you don't do something to mitigate it. And something else about risk is that it's unavoidable. There's no way around it. We're going to encounter risk no matter what we do. What bad can happen? What can happen, what, what can happen to us out there on the web that could negatively impact our organizations and businesses? Well, we might not be able to produce needed information and discovery action. Um, there could be a negative impact on systems and records integrity and authenticity. We might not be able to prove the accuracy or timeliness of information that we've been pushing out. We might suffer sanctions associated with unauthorized or unlawful release of sensitive information. Um, think identity theft there. Or legal sanctions associated with unauthorized use of copyright and other protected material. There's loss of revenues and exposure of trade secrets. Uh, there's going to be a liability associated with failure to maintain proper records, damage to the organization's reputation, negative media reaction, uh, loss of customer base due to alienation of their customers, monetary losses, losses due to inability to validate transactions, a whole slew of negative consequences for not managing risk properly on the web. And we're all aware of the usual risk factors rising within the normal business <coughs> record keeping, but where do the risks arise in relation to web-based records? I like to use that definition we just had and think of risk as falling into two general but rather ill-defined categories, external risk and internal risk. Uh, external risks are something that someone can do to you. Uh, in this case, we generally implement a general rubric of malicious attack, hacking, defacing, hijacking, that sort of thing. Internal risks, on the other hand, are something that you do to yourself. It can be self-inflicted wounds. And they fall into a number of different categories, privacy, uh, trademark, copyright infringement, defamation, trade secrets, misrepresentation, jurisdictional and ownership issues, timeliness and accuracy of information on the web. Now let's look briefly at some of these risks. I tend to refer to external risk as technical risk. Um, mainly because it's related to the nature of the web and the systems that create and promulgate the web pages. The risks and solutions are technical. Uh, to attack a site is a technical act. To defend a site is also technical. Firewall, security, password, encryption, what have you. 
Now, these restaurants forefronted uh, for years, and we're all pretty much familiar with them through the media, so they really don't require much comment. Under the general rubric of malicious attack, we have hacking, generally done for data theft, to steal trade secrets, steal personal information, uh, financial information. Um, we have denial of service attacks. Uh, sites can be hacked. Zombies please put in place to coordinate massive requests for information. Uh, the point there to bring down a site uh, to damage the business or for extortion or simply for malicious destruction. Recent victims include eTrade, Buy.com, Daytech, eBay, Amazon.com. And these attacks can result in significant computer downtime that undermine customer confidence and can even imperil the uh, organization's ability to fulfill its contractual obligations. Viruses have been around as long as there's been email and web browsers, and now increasingly they're being disseminated through instant messaging. Uh, generally, they're not targeted at specific companies. Uh, often they will be, but usually it's more of a general attack, just looking at any potential vulnerability. And the result in lost information, significant computer downtime, uh, can lead to an inability to perform contractual obligations and, of course, undermine customer confidence in the organization itself. Defacement of a website is, again, a hacking attack. It's designed to attack and deface the site or replace it with another one in whole or in part. Uh, this leads into the hijacking of a site in some cases. Uh, it can be the work of a disgruntled employee, uh, political rivals, um, that's getting very popular now for people to hack into a political rival's website and uh, plant scrolls information or comments. It can be the work of business rivals or ideological or societal rivals. Uh, if you think back a couple of years when an SEO group was suing pretty much everybody in sight, claiming that Linux was based on pirated code, uh, they had a page on their site called Red Hat versus uh, SEO. Somebody hacked the site, defaced it, changed the name of the uh, page to SEO versus the world, and filled in satirical comments thereafter. Uh, it can be just the work of random mischief makers, or more, in a more sinister vein, it can be an attempt to cover up uh, the installation of malware. If technical risk relates to what outsiders can do to the organization, administrative risk relates to what the organization can do to itself. Administrative work risk or internal risk is softer and it's not open to technical fixes. It requires the will and determination of the organization to establish policies and procedures to control the information flow across the web. And it's much more difficult because it's cultural and it must be addressed as a part of the organization's overall information and web governance strategy. Uh, there are a whole number of issues, as we noted before, uh, relating to um, internal administrative risk. Probably the most significant is privacy. Uh, it's come to the fore most recently and it includes a whole number of subsets including identity theft, personal information gathered about children or adults, health information, and a whole congeries of other issues such as FERPA, financial information. There are increasing numbers of statutes at both the federal and state levels carrying increasingly substantial penalties aimed at forcing organizations to collect and hold personal information to keep it safe. Organizations need to take certain steps to uh, minimize their risks 
And these probably these should be considered to include establishing and prominently displaying privacy policies. Oh, that can be a risk in itself, and we'll note that a little bit later on. Uh, training all personnel and following policies. Ensuring the systems do not inadvertently collect more information than stated in the privacy policy. Reviewing policies with counsel. Providing opt-in, opt-out options for users. Uh, using a third-party CO program. Being aware and fully compliant with uh, the COPPA, Children's Online Privacy Protection Act requirements as well as exploring all applicable rules and regulations for in-home, for non-home, and especially for foreign markets. Websites have a national and actually an international presence, but their owners may be operating locally out of a small office, park or home office. Uh, there was a small uh, bookstore, uh, Amazon Booksellers, in Minnesota. And I'm sure they would not have cared much if I had opened an Amazon Booksellers here in Boston. But when Amazon.com came online and started selling books nationally, including in Minnesota, they did take umbrage, and they did take Amazon to court, claiming their trademark had been infringed upon. Uh, they did settle out of court, but you know, Amazon.com itself is very vociferous and very strong-armed in protecting its own brand against all comers and anyone who might use the Amazon name or anything resembling Amazon, such as Amazon.com. Talking about trademarks, you have to recognize, too, that they include all domain registrations and keywords and meta tags. Protecting itself against <coughs> trademark risks, an organization needs to search the Internet to identify similar names in use conduct U.S. and international searches to determine if the name or a similar name is registered as a trademark, register their own trademark with the patent office, and register under all domains, not just .com, but under other domains as well. Remember several years ago the confusion that occurred between whitehouse.gov and whitehouse.com. A lot of people went looking for presidential information and wound up at a rather unfortunate and embarrassing site. Uh, organizations need to ensure the trademark notices are visible on this site, and they have to do the same for domain names, keywords, and meta tags. Copyright is very easy to violate in the web environment. Users can easily download, copy, modify, and disseminate copyrighted materials. Uncontrolled linking from external sites can put your own copyrighted material in the organization's site uh, in peril. Um, copyright law is by no means settled in the web, and we're going to be hearing cases for quite some time in the future. Um, interesting potential case coming up now is that after Nevada Senator Harry Reid's campaign reposted the website of his rival Sharon Angle's campaign that they had used during the primaries, um, they reposted the website and claimed that a lot of uh, Ms. Angle's positions were extreme. Ms. Angle is now threatening to sue Reid's campaign for copyright infringement. Unfortunately, it's kind of an iffy claim since Angle is a public figure and she may not be entirely protected under copyright. But if it ever came 
to court, it would be very interesting to see how they, what opinion they had of taking a published website and then subsequently republishing it. It's an area that hasn't been dealt with in any sort of systematic way in the courts as yet. Linking is a legitimate means of connecting agreeing sites, but the operative word here has to be agreeing, and it can ultimately become a form of hijacking. It's possible to create links to other websites without the permission of the owner. Potential for copyright violation and trademark is definitely present, and misrepresentation can also occur if it gives the impression that a link site's owners in some way endorse the goods or services offered by the linking site. It may negatively affect the link site's revenue by bypassing their legitimate advertisers, and it may wind up adversely affecting the link site because deep links uh, will lack the functionality that users need to actually conduct any operations on the site. Uh, protecting themselves against risks here, organizations <coughs> need to obtain the owner's agreement and set specific terms and conditions for linking. They need to establish the types of links that are going to be authorized and address all copyright issues. They need to inform users that they're being taken outside the uh, host site and monitor content on the link site for accuracy. They need to maintain a liability disclaimer for accuracy on external sites. Don't let their errors become your own. Unauthorized linking from other sites, organizations need to employ a monitoring service to identify unauthorized linking, employ link blocking technology, and where it's appropriate, publish notice that prohibits linking and asserts copyright claims. Statements posted to a website may provide misleading <coughs> information about the organization's goods, services, affiliations, and purposes. Uh, last month, Sarah Palin's Legal Defense Fund site was willing to have used the word official inappropriately on its site, and thereby implying that the site was somehow sanctioned by the governor, which it was not. Uh, the fund had to return almost $400,000 in donations. No wrongdoing was ever really alleged and none was found. But there may be some situations where you have statements of this sort that could be actionable in civil or even criminal cause. Unauthorized linking to or from other sites may falsely imply endorsement of or by that organization. And forums for posting unmediated com communications only increase that risk. Failure to protect information or abide by stated terms on the site also create a form of misrepresentation. And this is kind of an interesting one, because a few years ago, Eli Lilly inadvertently released email addresses provided by users of the drug Prozac. Um, the FDA proceeded against Lilly, but not, as you would think, for violation of the patient's privacy, but rather for deceptive advertising. Lilly had prominently posted on its website and in relation to the collecting of the email addresses that it would protect them. It posted a prominent privacy notice, just like you know, are supposed to do under privacy. However, the FDA found that Lilly had in fact not kept its pledge. Uh, they had not trained their people properly and thereby their violation of the 
patient's privacy was in fact a deceptive advertising practice. Websites operate in interstate and international jurisdictions. They're subject to the various laws and regulations within these jurisdictions, and they may be liable to suit or prosecution in multiple areas for violations of local laws and regulations. Uh, they also have to be very careful of what goods and services are being offered. Uh, there are sites that offer to sell you wine online. Uh, just don't try it in Massachusetts. And a website offering that service must post prominently that the service is not available in those locations. When organizations create a website, they often give very little thought to how long web-based information will persist. Organizations need to remember that the web is a publishing medium as well as a communications medium. Like physical publications, web records may be around for a long, long time. Static pages may be cached by browsers. Entire sites may be captured by archiving efforts such as the Internet Archive or various academic or governmental capture programs. And these efforts may only capture snapshots of the web pages, thereby taking them out of context and increasing risk to uh, organizations. What we really need to remember is that the information posted or contained in a website is very often a record, an official record of the organization. It's very easy to make changes to the content of a website, and the ability to make changes is often uncontrolled. It's often very easy for organizations just to delegate web maintenance to an individual unit. You know, it, it works, it allows quicker and fl more flexible response, but this leads to a lack of control over content and web activity. The information posted to the organization's website may be the official record of the organization, and it has to be maintained and managed in accordance with the organization's records and information management policies. Failure to control destruction and alteration can result in difficulty in producing relevant web records in litigation and liability exposure due to inability to verify the accuracy of information. It can also compromise the integrity of the organization's entire RIM program if this one particular slice of uh, the organization's information is left unmanaged. Organizational websites are increasingly viewed as authoritative sources for information promulgated by the organization. There's a growing social expectation that you should be able to go to an organization or a business's website and find true and accurate information and timely information on that site. Liability may accrue in disputes over what information was posted to the site, at what time, and when it was removed or amended. If an organization can't reconstitute views and provide formulas and programs used in dynamic websites for information or to process queries and return results, it may also be a liability. It's the responsibility of the records and information program to ensure that full audit trails are maintained of what information goes up on the website, when and how it's changed, and when it's taken down, and to make sure <coughs> <clears throat> to make sure that it is maintained or disposed of in accordance with recognized corporate policies. And this is one area of where iteration control is truly vital. So it's dangerous out there. There are risks that can be damaged to the organization and to the business. 
those risks have to be managed. And risk management for websites should be undertaken only within the general framework of an organization's overall information and more specifically web governance structures. So what is risk management? Got three good definitions here. I'm particularly partial to the second one. It comes from the Australian Standard on Risk Management. And it sees risk management not being just a set of processes or procedures, but its entire culture. And this entire culture dedicated towards the optimization of organizational goals and managing adverse effects as a side benefit or a side activity to the optimization. Part of the risk management process, we need to identify risk. Not all parts of the site will have the same type of level of risk. We have to identify the risks that are relevant to each section of the site. And once that is done, we need to identify a level of risk, likelihood of an occurrence, and estimate the potential severity of its consequences. I'd like to turn back to the Australians, who give us a very nice visual on the process of managing risk. It breaks down in essentially to essentially six stages. The first is to establish the organization's goals and context, that is their risk environment. Uh, the purpose of this stage enables you to understand the environment in which an organization operates. That is to thoroughly understand the external operating environment in which the organization is and the internal culture of the organization. This allows an analysis of the organization's strengths and weaknesses and its goals and priorities, and it helps set the organization's tolerance for risk. Second stage is identifying risks. Using the information that's been gained by <coughs> the contextual analysis, uh, you can then identify the risks that are likely to be encountered during the web engagement. Key questions here that may, assess, may assist in identification of risks include what is the business here <coughs> excuse me, what is <coughs> what is the business goal against which the risks will be measured? When, where, why, and how are risks likely to occur? What are the risks associated with achieving each of our priorities? And what are the risks of not achieving priorities? The third stage is analysis of risk and estimation of risk level. This involves estimating the likelihood of a risk occurrence and estimating its consequence for a negative impact upon the organization. Fourth step is the evaluation of risks. This step requires that you assess the level of risk as acceptable or unacceptable. Decision about whether risk is acceptable or not is made in the context of the organization's overall risk tolerance. It's generally a cost-benefit analysis based upon the possible consequences of risk and possible losses to the organization as opposed to potential benefits. We can use a matrix to look at this. Uh, we identify our risk and start assessing In this area, what is the risk? What can happen? 
Second area, we look at the source. How can the source come to pass? How, do, how does this happen? And we look at what are the consequences? What will be the impact of the, this event happening? We can then look at our current control mechanisms and strategies to engage their effectiveness. Are they adequate? Are they moderate? Or are they inadequate to deal with the risk proposed? Now we can look at our current risk level. Looking at likelihood, potential consequences, and our control mechanisms. And finally, from that we can determine whether our <coughs> whether the risk is acceptable or unacceptable. A basic matrix looks something like this. It moves from the left on a severity axis from low to high, and from the bottom on a likelihood axis from less to more. Most organizations, unless they have some sort of pathology, will find some level of risk always to be acceptable. Uh, it will be based usually upon the unlikelihood of an event occurring or the low level of consequences of the event. Others will always find some level of risk unacceptable. And generally these are high consequence or high likelihood risks. But it's always going to be a balancing act, a cost-benefit analysis uh, between potential benefits of the web engagement and potential risks and potential risk consequences. Someplace in the middle are going to be a group of risks that will be acceptable if they are properly mitigated. Uh, mitigation of the risk will push that yellow area over towards the green, rendering the <coughs> risk more acceptable to the organization. Once risks have been identified and their likelihood of occurrence predicted and the organization's tolerance is measured, there should be an <coughs> implemented risk management plan. Development of the plan should involve IT staff, councils, risk and compliance staff, as well as program staff. Risks can be mitigated either through avoidance or risk reduction. Highly risk Diverse organizations may be tempted to simply withdraw from the web or severely restrict their presence or the features of their site. Although some of the organizations find they can function or even prosper with a minimal web presence, this tactic is often self-defeating for others and compromises the organization's mission and puts it at a severe competitive disadvantage. In some cases, it's possible to transfer risk, to push it off from one organization to another. Uh, some organizations are using um, PayPal to process purchase and sales transactions. And this is a growing field in the web economy. The organization itself is now no longer responsible for that information. And this is PayPal's business sector, and this is what they are paid to do, and they take on that risk. Realistically, though, a certain amount of risk must be expected and accepted, and controls need to be put in place to limit its likelihood and severity. Again, any questions? Um, I'm here again, so if you have any questions, just raise your hand. I'm wondering how many of you work with websites now or provide content to websites. If you do, can you raise your hand? 
Melissa, do you, and I see Lisa and CJ, uh, do any of you know if uh, the records, if there are records on your website and if your organization has a method to deal with them? CJ, does yours? Well, Concern, we just launched um, our records and information management community home space. We are just getting our retention schedule together for those uh, records. And uh, right now, I am the sole provider for content and whatnot. Um, most of the things we have posted on our, our community home space, which is a web URL, by the way, internal to the firm on the internet, uh, are from policies and things like that that will always have a, like a, more of a permanent uh, retention period. So I'm not sure if that's answering your question or not. It at least lets me know that you are dealing with the um, possibility of having records there. And if they are unique um, objects that are on the website, uh, they certainly have to be addressed uh, separately as you're in your records retention schedule. Um, so I am pleased to hear that you're solely responsible for it because you have a lot to do with uh, setting the stage then for what will happen later on. That's good to hear. I see that Melissa is uh, saying that mostly backups are utilized to hold records for the web. Um, I'm working with a few federal government agencies right now, and what they're, uh, some of them that are more cautious are saying is that they maintain all copies in their servers, and then what they're doing really is like PR. They're pushing out um, duplicate information uh, on their website, and even in their social media like Facebook and, and Twitter, they, they consider those um, initial posts to be copies. Uh, so it's very interesting, but Melissa also adds that uh, you've got a dynamic, uh, data-driven um, content management system probably, so you've got everything in your database. Um, I, there's a question there for you, David, so I'm going to read it. Lisa typed it in. Uh, do you know of a North American organization that has applied this web records management risk model in practice? Lisa is an instructor with us, and she deals with electronic records. So, uh, David, did you uh, do you see that question in the chat box, and can you answer it for us? I agree with you that most organizations are going in an ad hoc basis. Um, can I come up with a specific organization off the top of my head? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to have to say no, but I'm going to also say that I can get back to you on that and see what I'm sure that there are some that I can find. Uh, as I say, it's a fraud area, and there's a lot of people out there giving a lot of advice, and <clears throat> we're not finding a lot of people really taking that advice, unfortunately. I uh, know the federal government is making a lot of noise about web governance and, web, and information governance uh, to what extent that they are actually abiding by their own uh, advice is another matter. If we don't have any other questions, then we'll continue. Okay, risk is a normal and unvoidable part of all organizational engagement on the web. But if organizations want to survive, they're going to have to learn how to identify their business risks and act to bring them under control. And that's the realm of risk management. But risk management should not be an isolated activity undertaken sporadically or in isolation from all other overall corporate objectives and information <coughs> in web communication. It should, in fact, be a part of a 
web governance initiative. So what is web governance? I think web governance is best understood as an organization-wide structure, processes, and communications process that brings both business and technical teams together to effectively manage both the content and functionality of the website throughout its entire web life cycle. Lisa Welshman of Welshman Pierpoint uh, has, gives a good definition. It's the authoritative administrative structures that set policy and standards for web product management. It includes the implementation of a web governance framework, the establishment of a web policy, and the codification, implementation, and enforcement of web standards. And standards are the key as well as enforcement. Web governance teams should include content owners and stakeholders, site production staff, representatives legal, information security officers and corporate risk and compliance officers if they exist, and records and information officer. The team should be, among its other responsibilities, risk management is obviously not the only responsibility of a web governance team. Uh, it should maintain awareness of the risks posed by the organization's web presence and take ownership of efforts to manage them. It should be conducting risk analyses or at least having risk analyses done for them. Coordinate, it should be coordinating with the organization's records and information management program. It should be promulgating web policies designed to mitigate risk. It should be training staff. Training is a key element of any government. Uh, it should be training staff involved with web management and conducting audits to ensure proper risk management strategies are in place and policies for web <coughs> management are adhered to. Properly implemented governance structures, governance structure is going to provide good day, effective day-to-day -day management of the website, determining who is empowered to make decisions. It will provide for organizational ownership of all web content and establish who is accountable for which efforts on the site, bring everything together under a centralized control, and even if individual units are allowed to manage their own particular part of the web, ensure that that part is consistent with policies. Uh, we'll develop enforcement of, relative, of relevant web standards and policies. We'll conduct, maintain audit trails, web decisions, ensure the organization's strategic objectives are aligned with customers' needs. It will ensure the management of web-related risk and provide measurable improvements for user satisfaction. Web governance is part of information governance, and information governance is hard. It's been very difficult for co companies and corporations to achieve. There's been a lot of talk about it. Organizations talk about it a lot and then tend to wander away and decide that it's too hard to do. This is what is supposed to be done in a perfect world, in a well-ordered universe. We would have information and web governance policies in place watching over our web risk. You have to remember that risk is unavoidable. It's a normal part of doing business. Organizations have to identify their own tolerance for risk 
and make the cost-benefit analysis so that they will be able to determine what risk is going to be acceptable for them and what is not. Remember, the most risks are going to be in a middle area, and most risks are going to be manageable with proper care. Website risk management should be embedded in the organization's overall risk information, <coughs> information management strategy. It's not just an IT issue. It's an overall information management issue. And it's a facet of the overall corporate information governance. Uh, so if you have any further questions, otherwise, thank you for your attention. Do you think companies are just waiting to get stung before they really take the time to listen and take your advice? I think companies are unwilling to make the commitment to the cultural change that this uh, necessitates. I don't think they're waiting to get stung. I don't think they're expecting to get stung. I think they will get stung. And whether they really take the uh, time and listen to this advice after being stung is, I think, an open question. Uh, I think we've seen many cases a company will uh, take, a, take a hit, take a loss, and keep on going the way they have before or make small changes and not really get to the basic structural changes that are needed to implant uh, a real good, solid information and web governance plan. Uh, they may get stung doubly both by risk and by severe sanctions, and they may find themselves under order to do something, and that may be an entirely different thing. Mr. Best, one of the experiences I have working for a big accounting firm is that whenever, you know, we just went through this bad economy down punch about two years ago, and one of the things that happens with corporations is that they have to downsize or right-size and lay off large amounts of people. So if somebody's going to get in, and do damage they're going to do, whether it just be from an accident because somebody deletes a table in one of our records management softwares or repositories, or if it's um, out of malicious intent, they're going to do it. The best way that we can defend ourselves is to have adequate recovery response to that. In other words, if we're doing our backup tapes every day, we can recover and only lose maybe one day's worth of information or maybe a few hours' worth of information as opposed to, you know, everything that we ever had. Would you agree or disagree with that? I think I would tend to agree with you. Um, if you've got a disgruntled employee, you've got a problem internally, uh, they want to do damage, uh, they're probably going to be able to do it. Um, there may be some where you can place controls that will limit the amount of damage that can be done. Uh, that's, of course, IT security and IT IT's responsibility, but I think a truly disgruntled employee can do a lot of damage. Uh, and I agree with you, the true test of the corporation is its resiliency. The plans it has for business continuity, for business resumption after something like this happens. Uh, backups, hot sites, what, what have you, what, whatever you need to do to recover from an attack like this. Uh, that I agree with you is the uh, true test of their protection. Thanks for validating what I what I um, have thought and what we did as a firm. I, I thought it was interesting that some of the people in the human resources department wanted me to predict who was going to be a disgruntled employee and come back and want to take out and go postal for lack of better terminology. 
And I said, you know, I can't predict psychological behavior, but I can tell you where your weaknesses are in your network infrastructure. But that's about it. So thanks for validating me. I see that uh, Melissa has uh, been uh, having some ideas about locking down accounts when you lay off personnel, uh, absolutely, uh, and uh, be sure that uh, you <laughs> Pinkerton, <laughs> Pinkerton guards uh, when you have somebody laid off so you can actually walk them out. Uh, that's uh, actually a, a process, a practice that does occur that, uh, in large organizations. If there is a fear of retribution, people are laid off and escorted out, uh, unfortunately. It's gotten to that point. So uh, CJ was correct in saying she uh, was able to identify potential risks, and then as you had the matrix, uh, decide into which area the risks fall, and uh, if there's something you could do to mitigate them, then uh, definitely that's where you want to spend some of your resources to do that. I want to talk, uh, thank uh, Mr. Best for being with us tonight. I really enjoyed the presentation. There's a lot of very good information here. And as individuals who will be uh, working with records and responsible for records management, we really do have to realize that there are risks in our website records and learn how to manage those risks. Thank you, David. Thank you. Good night.